Hey, welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast. My name is Pete Fletcher, and my co-host, John Nichols, and I had so many great conversations at VMware Explore, and this is definitely one of those. We spoke to lead data scientist at Purdue University, Ian Pitlars. Now, we all know the coronavirus pandemic was an unprecedented challenge for not only all of us personally, but also for universities around the world. Well, for Purdue University, the ability to remain open was achieved in large part through data-driven decision-making using VMware Greenplum. On this episode of the Virtually Speaking podcast, Ian explains how using VMware Greenplum, he was able to develop a powerful organizational response, collecting a wide range of data sources and data types to ensure Purdue's ongoing safety. Take a listen. All right. Well, welcome back to the Virtually Speaking podcast. Uh, we've got a good one here, John. We're going to be talking to Purdue University. Uh, joining us on the podcast is Ian Pitlars. Ian, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Awesome. Welcome back. I heard you had some travel worries. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep, overnight in Detroit, but I'm here now. But you made it. That's all that matters. All right. Joining the conversation is uh, from our team, uh, from the VMware team, is Carlos Boyd. Carlos, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Carlos is a is a uber nerd when it comes to all things VMware, and uh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna join the conversation. So I want to start first and foremost. What do you do at Purdue? Uh, so I'm our lead data scientist. I lead a team of a few data scientists. We're one arm of a five-arm team of data experts at Purdue that does almost everything data at Purdue. Um, so we have an analytics staff that produces dashboards out of Greenplum, uh, and several data scientists, data engineers. Um, we do some data governance as well. There's, there's a whole bunch of things that, that our team does. Oh, OK. All right. So how long have you been using uh, VMware's Greenplum? I believe since fall of 2016. Oh, OK. OK. So it's been a while. Wow. It was, since it was called Pivotal Greenplum. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be one of my questions was, was it, yeah. did you have it prior to VMware? Yeah. <laughs> and and what, are, what are some of the changes that you've actually seen? I don't know that, well, that you've kept a lot of the, the tech lead has, has stayed the same. Okay. Uh, and so okay. a lot of the, that, that connection point with us has remained throughout, okay. uh, which has been nice. So we haven't seen, there was no growing pains with this. Okay. Yeah. So at Purdue, what, and I know there's a lot of data, but maybe you can give us a little bit of an understanding of what that data looks like and how Greenplum really brings value to that. Yeah, so we use Greenplum as a gray box. So it is the primary storage of virtually nothing, um, but it stores virtually everything. So we have, working at a university is kind of like working in a small city. Um, so we have all the student data you would think that we have. We also have every wireless um, TCP transaction on our wireless network, which is ooh, 40 billion rows. It's no, it's way more. Than wow, several hundred billion. More. Rows. Oh my goodness. Um, but so so we have all of that. We we operate our own power plant, so we have all sorts of sensor readouts from the power plant. We're doing a lot of work with them. Um, there's there's we have all of the housing contracts, all of the swipes on every door, on every dining court. Environmental right sensors, just endless amounts of all sorts of being stuff. Generated. All sorts of stuff. And we're adding new stuff every day. Um, so we, we ingest all of that and use it to solve basically any problem that the university has. And my team in particular is the team that gets tasked with the weird stuff. Yeah. So, so, stuff so how much of this is like operational challenges? Like, hey, we're, we're trying to figure out why door locks are failing or, or, or track a location of something that happened versus, I guess, trying to solve an academic problem? Or is it you know some of both? Or It's some of both. I would say it's more operational than academic right now. 
um, the academic is is important, and we do so, we do quite a bit of it. But the scale that we have seen growing out of our COVID response has been a lot more operational because we realize how useful it can be for that. Oh yeah. Um, so we're doing a lot more nitty gritty stuff right now, and it's a lot easier to measure the return on that. So for my team to be able to say I'm bringing value because we're data scientists and we mm -hmm. can get paid a lot, uh, I like, and we're a public university, so I like to be good stewards of those dollars. Yep. Yeah, you're um, earning your paycheck for sure. Then, then we we can make that case a little bit easier there. And and some of the some of the academic stuff is it's a lot harder to implement on the data science end to to make sure that you are doing right by the students. Um, so we've got a couple of things going that are academic, but I'd say the majority of our deployed models are all operational in nature. Well, you know, I'm I'm sure that when COVID happened, it probably completely changed the way you were doing things. Yep. I know for any student out there, you know, that was pushed from going attending class in person to working remotely. And uh, how did you guys uh, adapt to that on the fly? Like, what, what did that look like for you? So we shut down in the spring. And the week we shut down, I began designing our contact tracing system. So I designed what I believe is the most sophisticated digital contract tracing system in the world. Uh, and that is how we stayed open starting the very next fall and we never closed. Oh, wow. um, so we were in person the entire time during the pandemic. We were one of very few universities to do so. Um, there was a lot of stuff that went into that. There was a lot of 12 and 16 hour days <laughs> from everybody on our team. So were you, uh, you're able to, tra tra by contact tracing, you're able to model where people were in duration of proximity, and so once there's a positive hit, you could... Re yeah, so what we did was we built in, um, we built in who's, who's in what classes, so how long are they sharing space together in classrooms, where are they on the network? So we have the wireless access point logs, so we can track proximity in the sort of standard way that most of these uh, contact tracing systems work. We have their housing contracts, so we know not only who they're roommates with, but we know who they're kind of near. So if there's like a housing block that's built around a set of restrooms, for instance, we, okay. know, we know that, and that's in the contact tracing system. Uh, we have dining swipes, so if people were swiping in one right after the other very repeatedly. That's a pattern, and we say those people are dining together. That was actually- Oh, you can figure out who's friends at the lunch table. I love <laughs> of, like, of all the pieces of data that we put in there, that one was the most This is effective. being creepy in a good way, I love it. Like, <laughs> at finding people who were testing positive for COVID. Oh, yeah, interesting, um, yeah. So all, of, and, and there's a couple of other things that I'm probably forgetting, because I designed the system years ago now. Um, but all of these things get put together, and we, we run in Greenplum every morning every possible set of contacts for every student on campus. That, that table is still going. It is many billions of rows now. Um, and the way we would use that is as soon as somebody had a test come in, we were loading in the tests as, as fast as we could get them, and it would run a contact trace by going into that table and finding everybody who was a significant contact because we had pre-calculated all of it. And so we also set up Tableau dashboards on top of Greenplum, and put those in front of the medical team. So within five minutes of getting a positive test, we had a full contact trace run and it was in the hands of the medical team. Wow, that's fantastic, that's amazing. Wow, yeah, as opposed to, like I've seen other contract tracing where it's like, someone calls and is like, hey, who'd you hang out with? <laughs> yeah, well, where we're, you? and we're in a situation where we've got freshmen who have all just met each other. They might know like, hey, Bob lives down the hall, but like they don't even know his last name, much right, less his phone right, number, right? right. right? So this, this helped us in a big way. We caught a lot of things before they became problems. Mm -hmm. uh, we were able to lock down areas before things got out of control. Uh, and it just, we 
we kept on it over and over and over again, and we were able to stay open without a significant So break. has there been work with the medical team to further refine this model or, or, or gain new inferences? Or? So we did, we did a study in the winter after that first semester where we looked through all of the data uh, and what was, what was more likely to generate an, another positive. And one of the big things that we learned from that was that being in class together didn't really matter. Mm. The masks were really effective at preventing transmission in the classroom because nobody's really talking to one another right there. Yeah. Um, and so that was generating a lot of false positives, and so we just took it out, which is a little bit sad because I, I worked really hard on it. <laughs> you know, that's how it goes. That's yeah. science. Um, sometimes your ideas don't work. Yeah. Um, so that, that, was some of the, that was some of the stuff that we learned that we used to refine the system to make it so that there was a higher rate of, of hits for the medical team so they weren't spinning their wheels on, on things that didn't matter. So are there any, are there any you know, my wife works in academic medicine, uh, were there any papers that are coming out on this? Or are you looking to license the model? Or so so we have a researcher that is getting ready to produce one of the first papers on this data where he compares us to UIU. UIUIC, um, who, who they, University of Illinois, they, they did testing every week on everybody on campus. Oh, wow. And we did 4,000 tests a week um, using something else that my team built, which was a very sophisticated sampling program. So we would, we would. Oh, you would, the model would direct where the test went, though. Yes. So smart. Yes. So it was sampling from within people that were more likely to spread it. Mm. Um, and they, their paper... So if Pete was boring and like clearly just hung out of his room and played Halo all day, not getting tested. <laughs> not Carlos <laughs> and I, life of the party, yes. we were getting tested aggressively. Yes. Like. <laughs> uh, so so that, that informed the testing. And what we found, what, what the researchers found, is that testing every single person every single week was just as effective at containing COVID as our strategy. Hmm. Wow. And so we managed to do it for a heck of a lot less money. Absolutely. And that's the, why we have tuition for so, for So I have three kids that were in college during COVID. So when I heard this story, I was like, this is amazing. Have other colleges, have other colleges been beating down your door to find out how you guys did this? Yeah, I've talked to a lot of schools uh, about how we did this. And unfortunately, the, the number one piece of feedback is they just do not have the tech and the expertise. Ooh, yeah, that makes sense. And nobody was prepared. We, before the pandemic, there was a little bit of, of funny business in the air about like, these guys are making a lot of money, this system is expensive, like what are we, are we getting something out of it? Do we and really then, need yeah. this? Bam. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a CIO that, that built out this system um, and, and really believed in building out this capability because he knew that it could be effective one day and, and man, did that prove to be a wise decision. So what about the government and other places? You look at some other contract trace, contact tracing things that are going on like the airline industry and other places, they're just not as sophisticated as what you guys have. Yeah, the, the nice, what I said right at the beginning um, because I just know our data so well, we know more about our students than any other system is gonna know. Mm -hmm. And if I do it, I know how the privacy is going to be directed. That, that's the challenge, the students opt into a system, I don't opt in to share my, you know, that as much with an airline. That's true. I like my airlines, but not, not, not probably, that probably not as much as you d dislike them right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we, and we have governance boards that oversee these things. We talk to some of the, the world's foremost privacy experts that, that are computer science faculty at Purdue, 
Everybody signed off on this. Um, so we, we were very careful about how information gets out of the system. There's only a very limited amount that the medical staff get in order to protect the privacy of our students. They get a list of names. They don't get how those people were. They might get how, but they'll get, they'll get like little hints of how. They might okay. say like they spent a lot of time together on the network. But it won't tell them where. It won't tell them how okay. much. That sort of thing. Um, so it, so it's, it's giving them just the amount of information that they need to do their jobs and, no, and nothing more. Well, and to be fair, they don't want to be overwhelmed. The clinicians, no. they, they've got They don't to need do. the information, yeah. and, and nobody wants to give it out. So we can just, we can just do both. So we I want to control it. I wanted to ask you about data science as a career um, and just as an area a little bit, just because this is an area, I come from the storage world. And so dealing with the block, maybe file, occasionally objects, occasionally I'd yell at a DBA about why they were causing performance problems. But this is an area that's interesting. It's an area that's growing a lot. I've watched mm -hmm. my, my wife actually had to learn to deal with data and take some classes in management through this recently. And this looks like a high growth area. Is this, you know, what is, what is your recommendation on anyone wanting to look into this field or cross over into this side of the business? It is really hot. <laughs> it, is, it is extraordinarily hot. Uh, yeah, you can't go very far without having people throw job offers at you when you've been in it this long. Um, so, so the problem is getting into it and getting that first couple of years of experience so that you can say that you have it and then you're off to the races because there's just not that many people in the field. Um, the problem is it requires a weird combination of skills. You need to have statistics, you need to have some computer science, you need to have a little bit of engineering know-how, ideally. Some teams um, will have tried to strip away the engineering know-how by having dedicated engineers and then not making their data scientists do that. We do a little bit of everything. So, so depends on where you want to work. I would look at, look at where you want to work and see how have they structured their teams. If they have engineers, then you don't need to worry so much about the engineering side. Okay. And then you need to worry about the statistics and the computer science side. Yeah. Um, I would say the computer science side is slightly more important only because I feel that really having strong coding ability lets you control your own destiny a lot more. Mm -hmm. You're not waiting on other people to do technical tasks for you. you can just well, and, and if you hand the code to someone or you have someone, okay, they wrote the query, and then you have to wait on the result. It's just endless game of ping yes. pong with your developers if you yeah. have that. And that's why we, when I hire, I make sure that they have like that full broad skill set. It's just really hard to find. And you, you also learn the implications of your requests. If you, to filter things, you know, make sure you're not forcing an entire database ETL on every action, or right. you're not doing, people aren't doing select star, you know, across mm -hmm. the whole database. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like that, and it's, we're seeing this, we see this in other areas of, of, of tech, but I like that that interdisciplinary approach um, being the strong point. Yeah, so, so one last question for you before we take off. I know, you know, COVID was very challenging and, and you guys stepped in there and made all these amazing changes. What did you learn from that experience uh, uh, in having to build this whole thing on the fly and then have so much success? But what were some of the takeaways that you took from that project? That we should not, like, constrain ourselves. Um, there was a lot of constrained thinking prior to this about what the data science team at a university should do um, and how do we make it all about student success. And this was the aha moment of, oh, wait, we can just do like anything that is of value and work with the right teams. Um, and so we gained, I think, a lot of reputation internally at the university after this. And so we're doing all sorts of interesting projects right now. I've got over 100 models deployed that are just for our power plant. 
to predict utilities usage at wow. the university, and we're going to be using those to try to control the cost of, okay, when do we buy coal and fire our boilers, and when do we just buy power off the Duke from, yeah, off the grid from Duke, yeah, yeah. Uh, as well as a whole bunch of other things that we have planned in the future. We may even, they have a, um, this is more mundane, but they have a, a data solution that lets them pull data out um, and look back at the history of it. That is going away because the vendor is no longer supporting it, and we are talking right now about just replacing it with Greenplum. So, you, mm. so you're just going to sneak in and replace all the one-off analytic tools and probably do a better job. Right. So. Yes. We've, we've done it a few times already, and I, I think I need a bounty board for... Okay, so he, here's, here's my model idea. You know, Carlos and I are at school. Find out, you know... Is it because we're hanging out is why we're having bad grades? Like, you know, like model academic success based off of proximity to Carlos and I on Saturday. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Ian, that is a fantastic story. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad that you joined us. I hope you enjoy the rest of your time here at VMware Explorer, and I want to thank you for joining the podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. All right, thank you.